Welcome everyone to Mbutu Speaks Special Father's Day uh, celebration. Today we're going to um, be celebrating the life, love, and lessons from four beautiful, phenomenal Black men who are committed, uh, who are inspiring, who have chosen to be the best fathers that they can be, um, and to sh- and who realize that fatherhood is a gift. And so today, uh, Father's Day Eve, I want to be able to have this conversation with these four men and let the world know that um, they are mythbusters. <laughs> and what I mean by mythbusters is that society is telling us each and every day that black men are not stepping up to the plate when it comes to fatherhood. And I'm always believed that that was not the case. I know some strong, beautiful uh, fathers, such as the four that I'm going to be speaking to today, who are proving that you can't believe everything you hear on media and all those statistics that are out there and uh, that, you know, it's, it's common. Black, wonderful Black fathers are common in our communities. And so today I'm just going to highlight uh, all four of the so many that are out there. Uh, so having said that, I'm going to introduce to you Joe Andre Cross. So when I say your name, say hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi okay. And then I have Jamal Tyree. Okay. Hello. And- Good morning. Mike Funk, as well as Byron Williams. Yeah, so I usually, you know, the whole platform with Mbutu Speaks is to allow people to um, voice who they are without someone else introducing who the, you know, telling the world who they are. And so having said that, I'm going to give each one of you the opportunity to introduce yourself, but see if you can do it in one word. So if there was one word to describe who you are, and what you want others to um, know of you, what would that word be? What's your power word? What's your, the word that defines who you are as a man and a father and a citizen of the world? So who wants to start? I can go first. Okay. My word is, uh, I'm an educator. Okay, educator. I love it, I love it. Okay. What about you, Joe? We have an educator. Uh, my- I like to use, I would have to say, uh, in learning. Learning. Okay. Okay. Learning. Always. Always Always learning. learning. Okay. What about you, Jamal? Um, I am a black man. Okay. That's how I was, that's how I was raised and that's how I'm raising my son. Okay. All right. Okay, what about you, Byron? Um, I would go with uh, community-oriented. Okay. So that makes it one word. (laughs) So so what would it be, community-oriented? Yes. Okay. All right. Hopefully Jamal's not, uh, I know he's driving, heading back home, but okay. Oh, there we go. Jamal, you're good? Okay. All right. So we have an educator. A learner, or learn constant learning. A black man, a community. Um, what what you say? Oriented, community oriented, right? Okay, yes. awesome. And so that was your one word, but really, why is it important? What what do you guys? Why do you men feel like it's important to be able to, you know, uh, basically identify yourselves as 
an educator, a learner, a black man, a community oriented? Why is that important to, for you to be the one to identify or to, you know, to describe who you are as opposed to someone else doing so? Um, for me, um, learning embodies a couple of things. Um, first of all, it doesn't set me too high. It doesn't set me above anybody else. It, it by its definition, there is humility in the element, but also it is a word with motion. There's constant motion in, in learning, meaning that there's constant, constant growth not in the same place. I view myself as a man whose cup is always empty. That way it can always be filled with something new. And I use my own processes to filter out, uh, you know, separate the, as the old folk used to say, separate the, the meat from the bone. Okay. And, um, you know, I, 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 I just add that to myself and I'm constantly adding to myself and I teach my son always always never be in a position to where you your cup is full and and you have nothing else further to learn okay i love that i love that anyone else what about you mike you know being yeah, I mean, joe i really appreciate you know what you're sharing and I, I have similar sentiments i mean i situate my professional identity is that of an educator first of all one of my least favorite questions are asked when people ask me what do i do I think uh, the better question is what don't we do, right? <laughs> right. I'll do so much. And my next, typically my answer to that is, you know, I'm a lifelong teacher and a lifelong student, right? So, you know, we're all works in progress. I don't think I've arrived at anything to become an expert. So as you said, this kind of proactively always learning. And then in terms of defining myself as an educator, I just see it as it's like, putting a responsibility on myself right and it's bigger than just my own family but always being in a position to share and learn kind of the mutually beneficial relationships with other uh, with other human beings and so you know and particularly around parenthood i think joe used the word humbling you know just when we think we figured it out and we're on the right path we learn very quickly, we're very far off and we got to think of a new way or reimagine a new way of doing things. Okay. And so as an educator, you know, again, just kind of wearing that double hat of teacher student uh, throughout right. every interaction I have with my child. That's awesome. What about you, Byron? You know, being community oriented, why would that be the word that identifies who you are? Uh, I, I think from, from a very early age, um, one of the things that I've always thought about is how to be a part of the community. And, and my mother, Shirley J. Wooden, was really good about kind of like teaching my sister and I that. And as I grew up, one of the, the proverbs, one of the African proverbs that has stayed with me is, if you want to go far, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I've always thought, and um, I've always thought about how you know, as we do things together, that helps all of us to, to be great, to be part of one another's greatness, um, also how to make others great. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, teaching my sons that, you know, at a very early age is that we are all connected to each other. It's like, you know, I have been connected to a lot of people who have helped me to become what I have become. I've also done the same. And I expect my sons to be part of, you know, that community, whatever community that they choose to, you know, ha have people to help them to be great as right. well as for them to help others to be great. 
Right. That's awesome. Jamal, so yeah. you know, your identification is black man. And that, you know, mm -hmm. to me, that's very powerful, especially mm -hmm. during this time. But it's always been very powerful. And so could you please tell us to share a little bit about why is it that you've chosen that as your identity and one that you are teaching your son? Um, that is the identity I was taught um, from the start, from my grandfather to my father. Um, my family, the Tyree family, we know exactly what plantation we come from um, and where we've been to it. And I was taught at a very early age that I am being raised to be a man. I am responsible for my family, my community, and um, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Not always the easiest thing to to live up to, to teach and to learn. Um, so, you, my own background is I come from both a single mother and a single father household. My brother has been a single father for most of his children's lives. Um, it can be a little rough. The, we are expected as Kyrie men to perform better and do better generationally. So my father was expected to do better than his father. I'm expected to do better, perform better than my father. And my son Kobe is expected to do better and perform better than me. Um, on the fatherhood aspect of it is I've helped to raise my nieces and my nephews when my brother was a single father. And as far as providing and protecting and leading your community and family, even during this coronavirus, as I was able to gather supplies, it was no surprise and expected that I would provide that to the extended family as they get older and uh, less able to do. That's, that's my job uh, as a man of family. My family is very tribal in that nature. Um, you're expected to do these things. Certain members of the family are pushed to lead and that's your job. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that uh, introduction. You know, that, that definitely, uh, I thought I knew you, but you know, this right here takes it to another level. <laughs> and this is what I love about this, because I'm going to get to know each one of you even better and appreciate um, everything you are as men, as fathers, um, as uh, my fellow brother, even, even much better. So, you know, having said that, you led us very well, Javon, to um, the question that I have about uh, how you're choosing to raise your um, your your children to be outstanding citizens of the world. And so, well, uh, when you in answering this question, please let us know how many kids you have and uh, possibly what gender they are, and answer the question like, how are you choosing to? Um, uh, raise your children in this time, you know, and to be that sit those citizens of the world, those outstanding citizens. How are you choosing to do that? So, if uh, we go full circle, Joe, do you want to answer that for us? I have 
two children. I have a nine-year-old male and a five-year-old female. <laughs> um, uh, you know, they, they are my heart, man. And we're, we're, we're living in a, in a, we're living it's okay in a- okay if you get emotional. This, this is us right here. We can all get emotional when we're talking about this, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Look, we're, <laughs> we're, we're living in a, we're living in a turbulent time, time, of course. Um, you know, but I think it's still important to instill, you know, those values into your, your, your seeds, no matter, no matter what you want to provide proper watering, the proper soil, the proper sunlight so that they can grow to their fullest potential. Um, one of the things I found is, you know, just a little bit of background about me. Both of my parents are, are retired educators. They were real big on, on, on learning. They were real big on becoming um, something. And, and I think it's implied with every parent, you know, that they want their kids to be greater than them. So, you know, just with that blueprint, you know, I'm realizing today that these times aren't like those times. So you have to sort of adjust um, everything. You know, it, it, it's like, you know, as new information steadily, steadily comes, you know, you, you have to, uh, you know, you have to appropriate it accordingly. So with with my son and my daughter, I, I teach them certain things and certain things I don't necessarily teach them that my parents taught me, right? So, you know, when raising, when raising children, there is no blueprint. There's no schematic. It's it's always trial and error, and and it's always a learning and growing process. So, yeah, that's that's where I am. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I think um, for me, you know, it's like I think of it in terms of curriculum, right? And so, like, what is the curriculum that I'm on, uh, laying out for my son? And, you know, I want him to have the world, the, the good experiences I've, I've had in life, and of course, and even more so chance. So there's, I guess I was just putting a couple buckets. One is uh, the ability to travel and see the world, literally like trans, uh, traveling oh. to induce transformation. So, like, by the time my son was three, he traveled to more parts of the world than it, it took me about 30 years to do. You know, right. including you know, going the ability to go to Africa, Ireland, various parts of the United States, um, and so just to be able to see a world outside of the small world we have in our community, right? And exposing, right. exposing him to like tangibly exposing him to different cultures and environments, experiences, um, yeah, and experiences, uh, and it's also you know like the people I surround myself with. So uh, unlike Jamal, you know, I'm a I was uh, adopted, so tra particularly transracially adopted. So I'm a big believer in chosen family, in creating family, and creating my own legacy as I move forward. And so, who are my sons? My son is six years old. His name is Ronan. Who are his aunts? Uh, who are his uh, aunties? Right. And it's even though I'm anchored and centered in black brown politics. Uh, my community is one of this really um, centered around social justice, right? And so, you know, he has his emo, his Korean auntie, right? He has uh, his Cape Verdean uncles. 
and cousins, right? He has his Puerto Rican godfather, uh, for instance. He has his white uncle through my through my family. So he's exposed culturally to different people as well, right? And so I want him to have agency and be empowered and not feel like he's limited in a lot of ways that I was because of lack of narratives about black men and kind of the monolith of one way of being black and what that looks like. Um, and simultaneously, it's really important that he remains kind and humble, Ooh. right? And I think it's a very fine balance, right? To be empowered and have agency and still maintain that humility. So that's kind of like, um, I think that's the challenge, right? right? And even talking about today and what's happening, I mean, today, but it was yesterday, it's been 400 years of what's happening with black men. You know, I want him to learn about the resiliency and the liberation. Right. right? And he needs to understand the reality of discrimination, racial injustice, but how can I continue to teach it, demonstrate, exemplify it in a way that he doesn't internalize it to be an impediment for him, right? Or becomes victimized by it. Right. I think it's a very careful balancing act that, you know, this is what I think, think about pretty much daily. Wow, thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's uh, creating a community for your children is definitely one of those uh, responsibilities, definitely. So thank you. Uh, Byron, what about you? How would you uh, answer that question? It's and a, tell us about a, your kids. So, oh, yeah. so yes, uh, so who are your children and uh, how are you choosing to raise them to be outstanding citizens of the world? Yeah, so my, my wife and I, we have uh, two sons. And uh, I think a, a big part of how we're choosing to raise our kids are definitely being inquisitive but also teaching them how to find uh, the answer. I think when, for me being, uh, when I was very young, I asked a lot of questions. And I know my mom would tell me that she doesn't know how she, how she got along, like with, with being a, uh, a single mother with, my, 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 with me and my sister, because I asked so many questions and I'm the oldest. And so it's like now, it's funny because I'm now at that point where I'm like, oh, so this is what my mom was talking about. <laughs> right. <laughs> <It's karma>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but I think uh, a great part of that is, you know, there were people who, who reminded my mom when I would ask so many questions, whether it be out in public or whether it be like the folks that she was close with is keep encouraging him to do that because not only does that help him to want to learn more and to have that thirst for knowledge but it also um, helps him to know that he should he should always be asking questions and um, you know my wife and i were trying to also do that with our sons even though there are many times where it's like oh man just please just stop but then it's also remembering that i went through this my, my mom went through this with me and you know we want our boys to always ask to always be inquisitive and even when um, it may seem that, you know, whether my wife and I getting frustrated or people are getting frustrated at them, to have the courage and the confidence to get the answers that they need um, as best as they can. And I think that really helps our sons to, to, to learn more about themselves, about their environment, about the people that they're interacting with. So that way, you know, they're, they're making up their mind on what they're learning, on how to interact with people, on 
how how they're finding themselves in this world. I love that. You know, I also have a daughter who, I mean, she her questions come like this. Like <laughs> her mind is constantly <laughs> and you know, and I always before I had children, because I was one of those kids too. And so before I had children, I was like, you know, I'm gonna let my child just ask me any question. And if I don't have a response, I'll never say because I said so. Or <laughs> you know, but now I'm finding myself going, because I said yeah. so. <laughs> That's <laughs> why. <laughs> I'll never do that because I said exactly exactly so yeah responses afterwards when I have you know calmed down and come back to myself yeah so with our daughter here we I mean we have a dictionary and encyclopedia I'm just like okay well if you don't believe mommy just go look for it she's like I will because I don't think it says that in the dictionary (laughs) I'm just like whatever Uh (laughs) so but yeah so Jamal please uh, uh you know if you can answer the question and uh, let us know. Is he, Jamal, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yes, I can hear you. So, yes. So, so, uh, I believe the question was how am I rating him to be a local Yeah, kid. if you can introduce first, you know, Jamal has the, I'm going to say, he has the cutest little boy <laughs> that I've known since he was this big. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, let, introduce us to your family structure and also, uh, yeah, if you can answer that question. Yeah. Uh, my, 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 my wife and I, Kenya, uh, our, our son is uh, uh, Kobe Jamal. Um, he is three and a half years old. Um, generally speaking, so there, there have been a couple of things. Uh, to, to assist Kobe and to further along um, the Tyree uh, lineage, we, so it, it, it's a combination of support and and, and pushing, you can only push him so much because he's three. So, you know, push him as in to build his confidence. Instead of, uh, uh, I don't allow him to give up. Um, he can try, he can fail. But as long as he tries, you know, that's one of the main things that we work with him on is uh, it's okay to fail. Or to come back to it later, but not to just give up. So that's one thing. Uh, some some of the other things that we do with Kobe is uh, as for, uh, uh, the multitude of questions. Yes, he's very smart. However, all of these different questions. What I've learned from my brother, him being a single father, is I try to answer his questions as honestly as I can. Um, in a way that he can understand. So he's asking, why does he need to wear a mask? Uh, what is the virus, I, you know, or uh, and all of these different things. So, and I just try to frame those answers in a way that he can understand without scaring him, but at the same time, put it in a way that he can understand and use that. Because he's going to remember and he's going to repeat it because they're just little sponges. They just don't get in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing, as far as being growing to be a global citizen, um, he required, as I was, as my brother was, to make a positive impact, particularly to the uh, black community. 
uh, my parents are hippies and revolutionaries that had me who was sick and had to go get real jobs. That's really what happened. So, um, with that said, he's going to be expected to go out there and make a change in the world. If, 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 if you live your life and you don't make a positive change in the world, then what have you really done? I had accomplished that well before I was 16 years old. So uh, he is expected to go make a positive change for the black community. Uh, I'm not out here protesting right now. I've done my protesting. I've done my fighting. My nieces and my nephews are. So my job is to make sure how they do that and what type of effect are they trying to make. You know, um, I'm a I'm a general now. I'm no longer a foot soldier. So, um, so I expect my son to do similar things. And it's my job to teach him how. Uh, and what uh, and, and when and where and how to take advantage of those opportunities, you know. So when I led a group to DC for the Million Man March, and um, and, and do those types of things, and when I protested, when I fought, that's good for me. That's not good for me today, but that's good for my nephew. So how do I uh, arm him, disarm him, um, and? Uh, protect him and guide you know my 21 year old nephew through that and then for my son Kobe when it's his time how do I teach him to uh, not be a second class citizen to, to be able to look uh, uh, those that may want to oppress you in the eye and then do all of these things so um, it's not an easy task and it's very At scary uh, because you're you're you know uh where we're raising these little black children the 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 the, the women they'll, they'll grow to be women and young men and the women the world will try to accost and the men that they will grow into the world will try to kill so um Ooh, that's powerful <laughs> that's powerful so so as fathers, you know, how do I build and instill uh, the best that we can do? Um, and it just takes that time, effort, and energy. And that's the key to my fathership plan, to put the time, effort, and energy into my son and into my wife and, and, and my family. So whatever it is I have to do, then that's what I'll do. Uh, um, as a father, and I think sometimes that's missed as black father. Being a black father isn't always, it's not that war cleaver, picket fence thing that that the world tries to uh, imbue that, you know, we're absentee or whatever the case may be. That's not it, you know. We, we have to balance so much you're, you're still trying to be a man. You're still trying to be a human being. You're dealing with your own PTSD. Um, and at the same time, you're just trying to present the best example that you can 
and then provide these, 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 these children not only what to survive, but to thrive. So, um, it's a full-time job on top of a full-time job. Wow. That's, that's very powerful. Thank you so much, Jamal, for really segmenting us into the next question that I have. You know, everything you said there really is, um, needs to be heard. And, and I feel like, you know, society in America is choosing to not hear that at times. And for possibly for their own purpose, agenda, I'm not sure, but it's something that we in the community, most of us know, but even some of us choose to ignore. And, I, and you know, I have these conversations a lot with, um, you know, friends and particularly women and uh, who, I feel like um, are also frustrated and also tired and also have bought into some of the um, misconceptions and the myths that exist out there about black men, about black fathers, about the role that we play for each other in the black family. And um, we have these conversations where a lot of times, you know, um, they're like more about the deadbeat father than about celebrating the fathers that do exist that are outstanding. And so um, I really appreciate all of you sharing that aspect. And well, like I said, yeah, go ahead. But let me speak on this deadbeat father thing real quick. Okay. Um, there is, that is a true statement. There are a lot of deadbeat fathers, both, uh, uh, of all shapes, sizes, and colors. Believe yes. me, I've heard <laughs> all races. You know, yes. you know, we 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 are we are pushed to the top. However, Patriot, Patriot. and then yeah, uh, what um what black women have to go through? There is a disconnect and lack of communication within our own community. Um, what I would say and what I do personally is uh, I recognize. The men around me who are still boys. And when they are around me, I don't, it doesn't matter to me what they do for a living or how much money they have in their pockets. None of that matters to me. You know, uh, if they're not a man on my level, I recognize that and have no issues, uh, you know, uh, when those challenges come to let them know that you're not on my level you're barely qualified to speak to me just as on a man-to-man -man level you're barely qualified to even speak to me and that's because if they don't honor the basics of just manhood saying what you mean meaning what you say taking care of your family your your, your yourself and your community then then what do we have to talk about no i can help you i can show you I can put you around people and demonstrate to you how simple these things can be. But we all have to hold those accountable and then on the other end, help them come up. You know, I don't want to hear, oh, she tripping. Nah, that's your child. That's your family. Even if you don't like that woman anymore, she is your responsibility. That is your family. You still got to cut the grass, man. So, you know, yeah. that, 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 that's what that is. That's powerful. That's powerful. Um.
so much for Jamal. Any uh, other of you who want to jump in, you know, this is a conversation about what Jamal just said, you know, because I know having spoken to another father yesterday, you know, he talked, we talked about the responsibility, like, is just immense, you know. Um, I have a friend of mine who's, uh, who's from um, Ivory Coast, and, um, but he moved here to the United States uh, for work and then decided he, it was time for him to move back. Um, but he, was, he raised his family here for a while and he realized just like, you know, his statement was like, the world is asking too much of a black man. And it's like, at the same time, we're supposed to be superheroes and be able to lift the world and be so strong but then at the same time we're treated as animals. And he said in America, he just, it was too much for him. And so he had to go back home. And, and to me, that was really powerful because if you think of an African man who, you know, they're always being told, come to America to realize your dreams, to raise your family, and then to come here and, be, uh, and realize that, you know what, I'm better off back home you know, because the pressure is too much for a black man here in America was like, it, it hit hard. And so, you know, having said that, I don't know if you guys, you know, what your thoughts may be on such a statement like that. Do you agree that it's just, the black man is asked too much? The question uh, that you asked is, is it too much for black men? I think you said the responsibility. I would just say, okay. it's too much for black men. I can, I can only imagine what that means for black women. Uh, because I think, you know, thinking of in black communities often, unfortunately, because of the complex um, addiction, all these other various measures that unfortunately black men fall victim to women often are the matriarchy, right? In our communities. And so if it's too much for black men, then what does that mean for our sisters? So it, it will never be too much for black men. And I, you know, for me, again, someone being transracially adopted, my white father was a deadbeat dad. And so for me though, the lessons I learned in being a father was everything he didn't provide for me, what was absent in my life is exactly the voids that I'm trying to fill in my own son's life. So a part of it is like my own motivation for being an amazing father is based on the lack of fatherhood that I had growing up. And I think, I think it was you, Hermes, that initially said shattering the myths, right? And a part of it is just absolutely, the, uh, and, and, and sure, absolutely it's burdensome because it's not me as an individual, but it's us as a collective. Anything I do represents black men. So sure, certainly a burden, uh, but one that I'm proud to bear and what that means for my son and who I want him to be and who I think he needs to be. And that just doesn't go, you know, and that also is important as I think of my relationship with my partner, Ronnie. You know, I am a co-parent, right? Oftentimes in relationships, women spend more time, energy, building the child, right, uh, working with the kid. And for me, that's not gonna happen, right? And this is domestically, whether it means cooking, cleaning, whether it means teaching, I'm with him in ways that again, I want him to see 
not just what it means to be a monolith of, of what a, being a man means, right? So he's able to have uh, and embrace all these different skill sets uh, that aren't like necessarily gender defined as well. So I just you know want to stress that point as well. That's powerful. That's powerful. I think um, this is Byron. I think yeah. one of and my wife and I we talk about this a lot is that when you come from a homogenous society that everybody for the most part is under the same mindset um, no matter which community that you may be from so if you're talking about so I lived in um, an African nation called the Sutu where 99.6 of the, the the nation was um, people from where were black Africans um, um, from Lesotho or they were from um, uh, the, the, the Kosa tribe so for the most part they had the same understanding and then that other point three percent were people who were from who were white South Africans or who were uh, white people um, white Africans of Lesotho or they were Chinese For the most part, everybody's of the same mindset. And I think about that a lot in terms of America because we are a nation of so many different people or we don't have one mindset. So a lot of times when, when people come here from other countries and they say it's extremely hard, it's because they're dealing with so many different mindsets instead of you know, the expectation of having, you know, for the most part, one general mindset. And I think you know, when I look at fatherhood here, because fatherhood looks different to so many different cultures, is that specifically for us as, as uh, Black American fathers, as African American fathers, we have had to deal with so much generational trauma that we we are, you know, in a sense, we are making up for a lot of lost time, whether it be on, you know, based on our personal, like I say, based on our personal decisions and the, the impact of the, the negative decisions of what this country has, of the conditions this country has put us in. Mm. And so I think when we, when we as Black fathers are dealing with those compounded issues, it really, it really does put a lot on us. And a big part of um, kind of not only working through that, but also working within it, it's also finding a supportive community whether it be you know, more people who look like us, whether it be our families, whether it be finding a, a suitable mate, whether it be you know, becoming part of a great group. It is really, you know, parenthood in itself is not meant to be a journey by yourself. And that's something that you know, I always keep in mind is even with my wife, we still need more people to be a part of our parenting with our son. With me as a father, I still need other, you know, black fathers to really be a part of my journey with my son. And so I think, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking about, yes, it is a lot. You know, I, I my, my situation, I grew up with a mother who wasn't married. Um, we didn't have necessarily supportive family, but my mother found and built a community that really helped her out and helped us out. And so, you know, I've kept that in mind that I'm also trying to do the same thing you know, uh, I'm, I'm definitely been, I have definitely been blessed with, you know, my wife who has been um, a rock 
who has been an amazing support for us, who we have really talked about how we want to parent, and we know we cannot do this alone. And you know, that's that's just how I always think of as we're going through this is, and this is why we also really teach our sons, you know, that community is very important is because this, this journey of life is with all that we do, we are tied together and with all that we, we do, we achieve, that we strive for, it is meant for us to do it with somebody um, and along, and it's meant for us to do with somebody. So it sounds like your family has adopted the Mbutu philosophy of human oh, interconnectedness. Say exactly, exactly. So that's exactly what Mbutu is. And yes, I feel like you know, I am Mbutu, because we are. Right. Yes. This philosophy, although you know the ter- you know, the terminology Mbutu is attached to South Africa, mm-hmm. it is permeable through I mean, it's throughout all of the continent, I believe. Mm-hmm. And within our communities, because you know, our communities I still feel it may not be as obvious and visible now as it was maybe in the 60s and before, but we had to rely on each other. Yeah. We had in order to, you know, get the benefit, the do what we needed to do to survive. And so that community aspect was had to be strong, and people had to come together. And it, it, that connectivity was there. And you know, so I hear you when you say that you're you're, you're choosing to bring that philosophy and keep that philosophy within your family yes and and mike you know you brought up um you know how hard it must be for black women and 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 i appreciate you speaking on that because um for me as a black woman who is like i said in the beginning married to a, a phenomenal man who who won't let the gender norms per se or stereotypes define our family is very very important and i i really believe that it's um it is what has allowed our family to grow and our relationship to become stronger because you know women are taught that you know not only do you have to be like your mom and your grandparents or be that woman which Ideally, black women were never the type of women who just stayed at home, first of all, and cry, you know, and just didn't do anything and just, you know, took care of the household. Like black women were doing more than that. But then also telling men that they're not to touch certain things in the house because their place is not in the house. And so the idea that we as families and, you know, like I said, with my husband, he, he realizes that in order for our household, to work we have to come together and really it has to be a give and take and these roles of who's cooking and who's cleaning and who's taking care of our child and this and that is just out the door things need to get done they get done and so you know and I hear that Mike when you say that in your you've decided that you're not just gonna let you know your wife your partner in life be the sole responsible one of taking care of your child and taking care of the household and so I know a lot of women appreciate hearing that from some great men and so you know to to even bring it more full circle I'm a strong believer that we all stand on the shoulders of someone else who is great that's pushing us along like the ancestry line you know I'm 
I remember for me, um, anytime I felt any kind of fear, my mom would say, call on your grandparents, call on those who have passed away. And so my mother being Gabonese and from Africa, that's just common. When, when you need help, you call on the ancestors. And so I still do that. Like when I'm in times of fear, I think of my great great who, and ask them to come and shield me and walk me through, you know? So you, you, a lot of you spoke about, you know, your parents being educators, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and the lineage of being, uh, you know, uh, the Tyree family, knowing what plantation they came from and mm -hmm. that legacy being better than the next generation, the, the past generation. But can you precisely, why is it important to stand on shoulders and really learn the lessons from the shoulders that you stand on and apply that to your life and apply that to your fatherhood? Um, you know, for me, that's an interesting concept because I, I've, I always said, wouldn't it be great in a lot of ways if everything I experienced in my life would automatically pass to my son? Like how much more evolved, you know, would he be um, in life, you know, um, I, I think it's very important. Another interesting point to that is, you know, when I was in school, I, I really didn't see the relevance of particularly American history. Um, it, it just didn't, it didn't relate to me. I didn't feel at the time. So now as an adult, I find myself really keying in on key points in black history, my history, you know, in order to see, because you're sort of just thrown into this world, right? And you're told, you know, different things about achieving and accomplishments. And a lot of that is true, but also there is a glass ceiling there um, enforced with physical violence. You know, there's a book by a guy named Paulo Freire called The Pedagogy of the Oppressed. And, and he talked about that. Uh, specifically it's more than just an idealism the the restraints that we have particularly as african-american men they are literally met with assault rifles in a lot of places so mm -hmm. we have to i find myself <clears throat> in order to understand because you go through this world and you and you feeling like you could be anything you want to be and then you're met with a brick wall in a, a in a literal brick wall and you try to figure out why you know, so I find myself looking up history and I'm and I'm able through that to reverse engineer the socioeconomic conditioning of of <clears throat> of black men. And so when you look at things like, um, you know, the, the, the crack ep epidemic and things that drove, you know, the black man, you know, the, the, the prison act and things that just drove the black man apart from the black woman. I, I look at this stuff and and I'm starting to understand it makes sense that it did this didn't just happen this is not natural right and so um I think uh, my my brother Michael uh, touched on this um it's 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 good also I think uh, Jamal touched on this as well it's good that the culture of black men in America is shifting again where it's it's no longer cool to be away from your family you know I don't even associate with guys who no one in my circle is a guy who does not take care of their kids because i know if you're not loyal to your own kids there's no way that you could possibly <laughs> right. be loyal to me you know no, so, they're not even qualified to speak to you, you <laughs> right. you're not qualified right <laughs> and so 
you know, like that's how I, I see things. So back to your original question, you know, just looking up the, for me, looking up that history, looking through your bloodline, this stuff is empowering because you can take the lessons that they learned, the pitfalls that they experienced, and you can dodge those same pitfalls in your life. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I like that. I like that. They're not even qualified to, say, no, <laughs> to be in your uh, circle no, to speak no, to you. Not. It doesn't right. matter what they have. You know, I'm lucky enough that I grew up with my grandfather and my great grandfather. Uh, Kobe, my, my, my son Kobe Jamal, uh, both my father is alive and so is Kenya's father. And uh, uh, Kenya's father, uh, is old enough to when he first hit the South uh, in the Navy, it was still segregated. Uh, my father was in the Black Panthers. Uh, my mother was the first of many Black, she, she was the first Black woman on quite a few fronts. She was the first Black uh, newswoman in um, uh, uh, West Virginia. She was the first uh, African-American woman director of Ethnic Insurance. So she was the first on, on, on many fronts. And so when you're leaning up against your your history, it's important that your kids know where you're coming from and why you're and why they're doing this. Um, why why you 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 know uh, if 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 this is what's going on, this is what's expected of you. These, these are uh, and that they need to respect and understand uh, where they come from and, and, and who they come from in particular. Um, and that and why certain things are done the way that they are done. You know, Kobe needs to understand that his grandmother, my wife's mother, is the caretaker of her entire family. There's a reason why. And the reason of that is because she was the brightest star. And so she inherited that leadership role within the black community, within the black family, that still exists. That right. So that's important. We can't lose that. That's, that has kept us alive all these centuries. Somebody's gonna rise to the top and somebody's gonna carry that burden. I carry that burden for my family. Um, um, somebody else is going to carry that burden. The next one up in my family is my niece. If, if uh, she's been told, you're up next. You're up next. So as she continues to achieve and become a rocket scientist, great. You have younger brothers and cousins that are coming along. It's your job to make sure that they pull achieve. Yeah. You got to pull them up. Kicking and screaming is necessary, <laughs> but that's yeah. your job, you know. Yeah. And um, that 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 role has 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 changed. And whoever chooses to lead or step up, it can be man, woman, or whatever the case may be. That that's just what it is. Is and you have to kind of put those some of those things aside and, and, and go from there. If um, we're all out here trying to survive the best way that we know how, and it's so important to not repeat the past mistakes and vice versa, uh, build upon the victories that your family has had 
and, and, and that we've gained, that knowledge that, that we've gained. Thank you so much. I know um, Byron and I share, um, we've been friends for a real long time and we share a common experience, which was uh, actually being black individuals within the Peace Corps organization. And, uh, you know, and Peace Corps is, um, I mean, a big, big organization, but there's still, you know, the number, at least the time that we went in as volunteers, we could count how many um, black African American volunteers were part of a group, right, Byron? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. So, so, and we both had the opportunity to actually serve in Africa. And, you know, what Jamal was saying there, like I, in the, in the communities, in the villages, and I had the opportunity to see rites of passages for both women and for both girls and boys. I had the opportunity to talk to the elders and to be taught by the elders and I, you know I was welcomed into this um, community this village where my mission was to be able to help them uh, when it came to education their mission was to teach me at the end of the day I remember the chief telling me his mission was to teach me that one I wasn't alone and that I am not a person without roots and to me, that was so powerful because in essence, he wanted to tell me the realness of Africa, the realness of the African people. And so they allowed me to see all these various different rituals. And, and I continuously saw that theme that Jamal's talking about, like as hard as it may seem, you've got to, you, you, you have to rise to the top and yeah. then pull other people up and then you know and move on and it continues that way byron you want to share a little bit about maybe some of the things that you you know you saw when it comes to this what we're talking about in africa or during your experience yeah i think one of the things that so this was in my what back in uh early 2000s uh, one of the, the, the lessons that I really learned from actually being in uh, in Africa and specifically in being in uh, Lesotho was how important community is. And, you know, even with, um, you know, being black and having had a community um, back home in Las Vegas where I'm from, uh, specifically uh, where I live, which was on the black side of town, it was still going to, going to Lesotho is really what um, I think shaped my, uh, my, my, my identity. It was a big part of shaping my experience and identity as being community oriented. Um, you know, there were, there were things, you know, one of the, the, the lessons that I really remembered was um, I had uh, did something that was very selfish and very self-centered. And I did, in that moment, I did not take the time to think about, there was someone who, uh, they were not thinking of, they were thinking of their their group of friends. And what they did that, that made me upset, when I reacted, it was me thinking about what was mine. And from, from that one experience, I really was like, I really thought to myself, that was extremely selfish. And you were in somebody else's community, somebody else's country, somebody else's home who has opened their doors to you, has opened their hearts to you. And my act really, I felt it, it was shameful. And when I went, you know, when I replayed that really quick in my head, I was like, okay, I, 
I, I understand that what my community is working with, what they have, you know, with them inviting me in, they have already opened up. And it is my responsibility to do the same. And then as I um, got to know my community better and really operated from that standpoint, it, it really showed that as I learned from them, I, you know, got to know so many people. I got to see so much more than I thought I would. Uh, people really invited me in just in general to their communities, to their circles, to their networks, to their homes, to their villages. And that is a, a huge reason why now I really believe in that. Uh, you know, I think that like you were saying, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the elder taught you, you, you are not a tree without roots has really stayed with me because like my family, when we um, moved from, um, where was it, from Missouri to, to Tennessee, or sorry, from Missouri to Vegas, my mother pretty much uprooted us um, to be in a place where she felt it would be better for, um, for us. And that has really, I think, been a part of my, my mindset is, how do I become one with a community? How do I put down roots? Um, and then how do I also help to water others um, so that way they can also put down roots? Thanks. You know, my experience with, with, with African-Americans as well as with Africans has really been eye-opening. It has been a, uh, a labor of love. It has always been, it's always the, the first thing on my mind is what can I do for my people first? Um, mm -hmm. Because they have already done so much for me, you know, well before I was here, while I'm here, as well as long after I'm gone. Right, right. Thank you so much, Byron. And Mike, you know, uh, I heard you speak about the importance of uh, showing your son experiences, exposing him to the mm -hmm. world outside of the community that you're in. And so, um, you know, and basically that he's seen more in his, what, three years that you did in your 30 years of life, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. yeah, so, and, and I, I'm the same way, like, in my family, having a passport is is like that's your first ID is a passport, <laughs> because I mean for you know for several reasons. One, you want to expose, and then two, you don't know when you have to leave immediately. <laughs> the way things are going on right now, and I'm yes. happy to say that I've already made calls to several people around the world. Like, if I, look, look, you just have, in case, you gotta, just in case you have that <laughs> spare bedroom for my whole family, right? So, you know. That is ex very important, and so as you know, to ex you know to to even expand on that, as fathers, what kind of experiences do you find is essential and key to exposing your children to? You know, that will give them those key lessons. What kind of experiences are you exposing? And Mike, you could you know tell us a little bit. Or, about the experiences that you expose your child to and then we'll move on but yeah yeah i mean it's, it's a very good question and i just want to appreciate i didn't get to uh chime in with the, the last question oh, yes go ahead go ahead i just wanted to uh, we all have it's interesting the similar thread that we have and i just wanted to say and again this is around the traveling but i had the opportunity to do the sankofa moment and go to um the slave castles ghana a number of years ago with a group of students and you know talk about putting things in perspective. You know, when you get to that door, that point of no return, that very small passage, Ooh, right? Powerful. Into the Atlantic Ocean. 
And at that moment, just like the the mirac- how miracle of us being on Facebook and uh, having this conversation through Zoom right now, and that we have not only survived, but thrived from that moment and to all the amazing things that we have done now. So, you know, I think I it's really important for my son to understand, like, it's so much bigger than us, right? So when you're talking about standing on the shoulder of our, of our ancestors, and so for me, it really is about exposing him to as many positive people that's going to reinforce um, his own agency or empower him in particular ways. Because, you know, I think in my own life, as Joe said, like, I wish I could just replicate my own life and he can have much of what I've experienced. But there's so many moments that things could have gone drastically differently. Yes. Right? I mean, every conversation that you have, and, and, and particularly our kids are so exposed to so much more than we are. So if I'm not going to teach my kids, someone else is going to, right? And messages are going to penetrate, even if I am with him every day of the moment, he's still going to internalize messages outside of our home, right? And so you know, I, I could think of this conversation, it was a, a black businesswoman in Oakland, she's the longest standing uh, black uh, owner in uh, Oakland, California, Altana McCree, surrogate mother of mine. I remember a particular conversation when I was uh, in high school. And, you know, this guy asked me what I wanted to do, you know, with my life. And I said, well, this is in Pittsburgh, PA. There's a new airport that's about to be open. And I, there's a lot of jobs. And he kind of, you know, had that come to Jesus moment was like, I don't want those words ever to come out of your mouth again. And indeed, it's a noble, you know, there are noble positions working in an airport for sure. But it was uh, emblematic of the limitations I had for myself and what was available and possible for me in this world, right? The same was true in college, right? You know, even as a student, I was an okay student. I remember I was a part of this black organization and this one brother was like, you know, you're brilliant, man. And it's not, so your grades aren't representative of who you are. So he made a bet with me. He said, look, if you make Dean's List, I'm gonna sponsor you to go to any part of the world. And that time I, I, went, I wanted to go to Africa and one of the places we could go is Morocco. And I did, you know, I made Dean's List and subsequently I made Dean's List every, every semester since. Years later, I'm Dr. Funk. But you know, that one particular conversation made so much a difference in my career trajectory. So I need my son to be around those folks, not just my own nuclear family, but who else is he going to be exposed to, to motivate him, to inspire him? And who are those folks who are, again, paying it forward? And it's not just about us and us winning, but how can we create win-win situations for everybody that's in our community and not in our community, beyond our community? Because so many of people who are not part of our community benefit directly to the policy, the, the, the struggle that, you know, and like when I think about these protests, you know, the Black Lives, um, Black Lives Matter protests and the policies that are going to be changed, that's not just going to affect African-Americans, that's going to affect every other, you know, right. yes, you know, the moving forward. So definitely. Um, yeah, it, that's powerful. That's powerful. So, you know, just to quickly, because I, I didn't want this session to be, you know, this celebration of fatherhood to be focused on what's happening um, uh, with the protests and, um, and you know, just COVID and all of that, because I, 
I feel like we we know that information. But if there's um, one thing that you can think it, how what's happening now has impacted you, if you could think of one way this has impacted you in a brief, maybe a, a sentence, like how has all of this impacted the way you choose to move forward from this point on? If that makes any sense, yeah. Well, for me, um, let me just say this quickly. Um, be careful what you ask for because you may get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I received what I asked for. Due to this coronavirus, I lost my good corporate job. Now, I'm prepared, but what I'm not prepared so much for is that now with my son, he will now come with me on this journey to fulfill the rest of my own destiny, which will provide for him. So he's along for the ride now. Uh, His name means uncomfortable. So now I will show him how to be uncomfortable. He's along for the ride as I not only explore uh, but create opportunities and businesses for myself. Uh, so you know, you you know, be careful what you ask for because you you may receive it, and then and then what do you do with that as a father? Well, son, you're alone for the ride. Let's go. You know, we have to go. Uh, uh, you know, we have a meeting, uh, or uh, or as, as you said, daddy has to go to his office. You know, uh, because I have meetings or, or whatever. Now I'm working for myself. So that's just part of it. You know, but that's the biggest change. And what do you do with it? You know, uh, um, that's, that's so true. That's so you true. get up and you move on. Right. And, and he's just along for the ride. And it's a great opportunity for him to learn now um, um, how to thrive and how to do for yourself and your family and others, you know, uh, that have not changed. Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Any Anybody else? Yeah. So, Joe? I could, yeah, I could quickly say something. Okay. Uh, as Stickman from Dead Press says, healthy is the new gangster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like physical, spiritual, and body, right? Physical, right? Spiritual, mental, and uh spiritual and so like staying in shape being in shape building the immune system up uh i think it's a a big piece of this pandemic for me is like the importance of staying healthy being healthy eating healthy living Mm -hmm. healthy self-care and wellness wow that's powerful very important yeah joe what about you um uh, for me everything everything that's going on in society right now is is interesting it's sort of a prelude to what what well i'm just going to say this what i'm noticing is that you have the whole world turning inward mm-hmm. you know um it's a lot of uh different things in life dogmas or what have you that teach you to look outside of yourself for you know your strength and your answers to your problems but you know, now that all of the distractions are taken away, I find that, you know, you have a whole society of people um, generally forced, really, to turn inward 
and 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 find um, a lot of solutions, correct a lot of incorrect perceptions of things, and and learn and grow. And like Mike said, you know, part of that is um, is uh, self care. You know, self wellness. So, you know, that's what it's that's what it's like for me. Okay, thank you. What about you, Byron? I think right now has really um, helped me to, to, to learn and figure out different ways to give my wife or to, yeah, to give my wife more time to herself. Mm. I think, um, you know, it's, it's really important for, for me, you know, of course, obviously we're parenting together, um, but I know how much my wife also takes on and you know i think you know with us being uh, in this kind of quarantine not sort of with us being in this quarantine state right now it is knowing that she still needs time to herself and so what i've been learning to do is finding ways where you know either i can have her to relax um, without you know both of our sons hanging all over um, if that means me taking my boys out on a bike ride or maybe me and the boys downstairs while she's upstairs or you know, ways, her doing things that she really wants to do because now I'm able to be around more since I'm not you know, uh, at work or in the office. Right. I have felt this is really helping with that. Um, along with, um, with uh, both of us is finding, finding things where we might've been committed to that we did not need to be and kind of reducing what our involvement or engagement is with certain things that are either not benefiting us or not benefiting our community. Oh, and yeah, so it's, you know it's really kind of figuring out ways to take the stress level down while still being involved and engaged but maybe not to the point where we thought we needed to be because of the, the toll that it's, it's taken on you know our health on our on our mental uh, states as well as you know kind of our our relationship and our marriage yeah that's that's awesome that really is that's in, awesome. in many ways the quarantine has been good for many people yes if, if you can handle the the uh the uh stripping away of everything around of the world of what you think exists and it's just you right. like oh Jamal, tell you, yes you, know, for, <laughs> right. you, know, you learn a lot about yourself don't you oh, during you quarantine and you are needless to say i'm back to meditating <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, it's been you know that, it's that double edged sword order. right there. You know? <laughs> and then every for us, it's like everything that daycare provider told us about our child is like, oh my gosh, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you uh, you uh, you you appreciate that, that 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 daycare provider don't know what she's doing or talking about about my baby. Yeah, oh, I love oh, oh, I miss her so, oh, I miss her so much. So, and I saw this there was this quote about the the um. The hardest thing about um, disciplining your child is disciplining the you out of them. So you're like, oh my gosh. They, they learn all the time, even when you don't think they are. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So guys. You guys have been patient with me. Now, the this is, you know, I'm going to close this up. This is the last section. It's going to be what I call our speed, speed questions. 
and I, and you know you can even give one word answers or one sentence, but it has well, to be right off the cuff. That's not my forte. That's not your forte, but it's okay. I'll, I'll do my best. Okay, no problem, no problem. Okay, so I'm gonna start because we have one minute here. I'm gonna start with you, Mike. So you have to answer in one word or one sentence. Okay, so the black family is one word. The black uh, family is thriving. Okay, we are going, we as a community are going forward. Okay, a father's love is never ending. Okay, children are the present, not only okay. are they the future, they're the present. They're the present, okay. Black fathers are persistently overcoming. Okay, and the last one is my, and this can be a sentence. So if you had to say my fellow black brothers out there, one piece of advice I would give to you is. Oh, man, that was a hard one. And I got less than a minute. <laughs> keep, 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 keep being you. Okay. Right, keep being you. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, don't give up and continue to connect with each other. Never, as we've all said, we're not, you know, we're here for, we're here by ourselves, but we should never be alone, right? Awesome, awesome, okay. Thank you very much, Michael. Uh, yeah, thank you, Mike, for um, doing that. Okay, so who's next? Who wants to go next? Answering the same question. Okay, Byron. Okay, ready? Ready. All right. The black family is strong. Mm. Okay. As a community, we are going forward. Okay. I like that. A father's love is a foundation. Mm. Black fathers are present. Okay. Children are always important today, yesterday, as well as tomorrow. Oh, I love that. Okay. And then if you had to say my fellow black fathers out there, one piece of advice I would give is? Uh, the the most you can spend on any child is time. Oh, I and love it. I don't I know where the quote came from, but it stayed with me from a Taleb Kweli lyric from, yeah. I think, his one of his uh, his first studio album, Quality. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think that was the album. But yes, it really stayed with me well before I had kids. Okay. Awesome. All right. Okay, Joe, you next? Sure. Okay, ready? Yes. The black family is? Resilient. Okay. As a community, we are going? Onward and upward. Oh, love it. A father's love is? Essential. Okay. A black father is? I have to say overcoming. That was, that was the best. <laughs> My man, y'all, y'all, that was good. <laughs> okay. And children are? Precious. Okay, I love it. And my, you have to give advice to your fellow Black fathers out there. What piece of advice would you give them? There is nothing higher than truth. Ooh. Always find the correct perception of things before embodying any type of emotional investment into it find the, the right way to perceive a thing okay. that's 
this. I love it. I love it. And Jamal, it's your turn. Oh, okay, wow. ready? Yes. The Black family is? Alive. Alive. I love it. I love it. And as a community, we are going? Jeez, as a community. We are going through a, 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 a change. A, a positive change, but we're going through a change. It's, it's a it's a leadership change right now. Okay, a father's love is necessary and mandatory. Okay, a black father is a black father is the truth. Oh, I love it! I love it. Children are. Children are the most wonderful thing and the greatest opportunity you have. Okay, I love it. And if you had to give advice to your fellow Black fathers out there, what would be that one piece of advice you would give them? Well, first thing, let me change that. Your your uh, your children are your treasure and real riches. Okay. Uh, and uh, as a my one thing is to always get back up. Okay. Always, always get back up. up. Okay. And who, thank you so much. And who wants to jump in? And because I'd be, you know, I'd have my sisters would get on my case if I did not, you know, ask you guys anything to do with like the black woman, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, the women that you have in your lives. Like, um, what does that mean to the way you decide to be a father? So like, what, what would you want, what would, this is your opportunity to tell a black woman how you feel about who they are and how they're helping you or, or who they are when it comes to your, the way, or, or just women in general. It doesn't even have to be a black woman, just women in general. I All right, let's go, no, please, right. you go ahead. No. <laughs> I might say something wrong. <laughs> I think I think that the woman, particularly the black woman, um, you know, that's relative for me, but the the black woman for me is is beautiful, but she she is a spiritual being that embodies we all embody God, but she's the vessel by which new life, or I should say the spirit spiritual is brought into the physical plane of existence. She's the vessel of, 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 of creation. She's the vessel of life. And, you know, once she truly knows herself, you know, then, then, you know, her, her, her potential is, is limitless. Wow. I like that. I like that. Anyone else? You know, <laughs> all of the women in my life, my mother, my stepmother, all of my aunts are all very type A women. So my that views are a little, awesome. they're all a little, so my, so my views are a little skewed. <laughs> uh, when, you know, I'm talking about strong, strong black women who <laughs> be a handful. And so uh, as a man, where we are, and for, for some of those, uh, I would say that for, and, and my message to uh, sisters is choose better. Mm. Choose better. And um, 
I have a lot of uh, 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 women in my life who um, run into men ain't, ain't ain't nothing type of attitude and my message to them is uh, uh, be patient, choose better and um, go beyond the physical mm. but oh yes. Oh, you yes. know, there's a lot of good short men out there just because I'm tall. <laughs> that doesn't, you know, mean a whole lot. Okay. Um, but otherwise, uh, as men, we need to accept the uh, the uh, the uh, we need to accept the strength of right. black women. You know, as I said, I grew up around strong women, so strong women don't intimidate me. But it, I think it is important to understand for women to understand that some men might be intimidated by your strength. You right. should not bow down nor nor kowtow to them. But a conversation may need to be had. Yeah. A conversation may need to be had. Yeah. Um, um, yes, you are that strong because you have to be. All right. Um, I'm oh, sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure women will appreciate hearing I that. I am sorry. <laughs> I am sorry that and, 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 and understand that I think black women need to understand right now, you're in charge mm. of this big black community. You're in charge. And there's reasons why men have fallen. And there's reasons why there, uh, uh, men like us that are on the call today uh, are not all in the forefront. We've been through a lot. You know, we are America's greatest game trophy. So, there's a reason why you are. You have to accept that role and that leadership role is not that easy. Um, but it is what it is. So uh, I would tell black women to keep your foot on the gas oh. and uh, continue to challenge uh, the black men in your life. And those that cannot meet that challenge, do not abandon them, but there is a conversation that needs to be had. And and, and you need to have that conversation. Wow, thank you so much. Ooh, ooh, who's gonna come after that? Byron, Mike? I'll, I'll go. Um, so I think a, a couple of things, you know, as a, a message to black women is that, from a black man and from black men, is that we appreciate what you have been um, for us and meant um, and what you mean to us um, is one. Um, the second, I think it would be as, as black men, we know we need to, to be better for you. Um, and we ask that you please remind us of that from time to time. Um, I think sometimes we get high on ourselves and we forget that this is not something that we did by ourselves. Like we did not get here, you know, to this, this point by ourselves, but it's because of black women why we have been able to survive, to maintain, to thrive all these years. And we um, we need to be mindful of that. We need to give Black women the proper respect, the love, the, the admiration, the adulation, the accolades, all that has come with how the Black woman has really helped us to keep our, our families together, how she's been able to, to be the foundation for a lot of either what we couldn't do or what we chose not to do. Um, and 
that you know I think it's it's very important for black women to to call us out when we need to be called out um, I think you know that that's all of our responsibilities is to to own up to the things where we know we can change and we can do better by black women by our families by ourselves by our children sometimes that may mean we need to have our our, our egos popped or our bubbles busted and that is not a uh, a bad thing that is just us doing this together okay all right thank you so much thank you you're welcome yeah, yeah. mike yeah and just echoing uh some of byron's sentiments i mean i remember growing up they would use the cliche like behind every good man is a woman and then we started we thought we were clever and more aware more woke. we say beside every good man. <laughs> Is a, is, a, is a great woman but the reality is just like uh byron uh articulated it's you know i am who i am because of women it's yes. because and butu yes right. because yeah. of who women are so you know women are the standard bearers uh and so and we understand how the collective trauma of white supremacy but yeah. compound white supremacy with patriarchy and then you have the situation are women of color, black women in society, yeah. right? And still yet to be able to nice. lead the community and be at the forefront in the community, notwithstanding that, it just, I, you know, forever grateful to my woman tours yeah. uh, and all the women in my life, right? And so just, I feel grateful, I feel humbled, and uh, we need to continue to hold, you know, hold our black women, Whole women of color, whole women in general, during this time, you know, oh. it's, it's you know we we need to be interdependent, and so I think you know in terms of when I say the standard bearers, I think of the quality of women, right? And if I can just possess those qualities, the world is going to be in a good place. Oh. All of the negativity in this world, uh, the hate, right, the war, uh, the violence. It's not women, that's men. That's men who's creating that, right? Yeah. And so if we continue to lean on our sisters, learn from our sisters, and have them be the guide, I think we're gonna be all right. Oh, awesome. My heart, my heart, oh, my heart can't take it no more. It's about to explode of joy. You know, and for me, on behalf of the women I know, the women that I will meet, um, the women that I have had numerous conversations about when it comes to black men and fathers and and just partners. I I want to thank you and the great circle network of uh, black men that you have included in your lives who are uh, in your lives because they are doing right. I want to thank you on behalf of all these women for being you, for being honest, for being, for committing not only to yourself, but to your families, to your communities, to society, to the world, uh, committing that you are going to be the best person and individual that you can be, be, you know, with obstacles, with challenges and all that you're going to rise. And um, because I'm a strong believer that we need each other. At the end of the day, not one man 
woman can live this life and really find it fulfilling without the partnership, without the uh, without the presence, without the lessons and the education from another. We are very much connected and it's when we start losing sight of that, when we start re- um, pushing our, each other away, when we stop um, being willing to teach each other, learn from each other and come to each other's help and aid, that um, we grow apart. And you know, strength is in numbers, right? <laughs> and, um, and there's a reason, and more importantly, you know, it's about also a sense of belonging. You want to belong to something greater than yourself. I, I'm a true believer of that. And then, you know, and I tell my sisters all the time, if you want a great man, check to see if you're a great woman first. You know, are you doing everything you need to do to be that woman for that great man? Because a great man will come and pass you by because you haven't done your homework, <laughs> you know, and no one's perfect but you haven't put things in place to make yourself greater and to grow. All that you're looking for in a man, you also need to be able to rightfully stand up and say you have that within yourself. And um, what we're all going through is a work in progress. And uh, I'm just happy to know that I have had this opportunity today to speak to four men who are committing themselves to that work in progress into being, you know, um, a figure in society that we can rely on and count on and hold up as, you know, this, no, you say that black men are like this. No, I can tell you differently. I can tell you that Joe Cross is not that. I can tell you that, you know, Mike Funk is not that and Byron Williams is not that and Jamal Tyree is not that. And, um, and they are making sure that other people around them are not what you think they are. And so for me, that is very powerful. And that was the reason I wanted to do this uh, special Father's Day celebration, especially to highlight the wonderful work and commitment that Black fathers are doing today. So we're going to end this session by, you know, I think it's rightfully so when your children possibly listen to this. What would you, you know, what does daddy want to say to uh, their child? Like, what do you want them to hear from you? You know, let's say they pick this uh, up 10 years from now, 20 years from now. What do you want them to know about their father's love? What do you want to say? What message would you give your children right now? This is how we're going to end it. Anjo, what do you want your kids to know? Oh, um. <clears throat> I want them to know that my love is is endless. My love for them is endless. My expectations for them are high. And I teach my son that, um, you know, most people like to characterize things into good and bad, but whatever you do in life, you will be learning. So. Whatever path you take, there's a lesson. So it's up to you if you want to choose the path of peace and joy or the path of pain and suffering. Either way, you learn and you grow. Okay, thank you. Wonderful lesson. What about you, Mike? 
I want Ronan to know that I will always love him for who he is and who he is not. Uh, as brilliant as he will be or continue to be, the most important thing that he remains kind to people and that he continues uh, to push others up with him. Okay. No love matter it. what the circumstances are. Love it, love you know, it. And I just want him to continue to embrace and completely embody Black joy. Ah, I love it, Black joy, yes. Byron, what about you? You see, a, a couple of Oh, and there he is. Black <laughs> <laughs> like <a> joy. <laughs> Hey, big guy. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of things is um, one is to to be as wise as um, Solomon, Ruth, and Esther from the Bible. Um, I think uh, other things, uh, other things that I would like for my my children to know is whatever community you choose to be a part of, just make sure that you are doing right by that community and holding those community members responsible. Wow, um, okay. And uh, the third thing I would say is to always love black women more than you love yourself. Oh, wow, that's powerful. Okay, Jamal, what about you? What are you saying to your son right now? If he picks this up years from now. Um. I would say to Kobe, I have given you all of the tools you need for this world. And it is upon you to make something of it. Um, as I always told you, I will not promise you life will be fair. but you were named the uncomfortable warrior blessed by God. Uh, I love you. Now act accordingly. Ooh, thank you. Oh my goodness. All of that just, you know, I got emotional, so I'm glad you guys held it together. <laughs> I definitely just got very emotional about you that. You know, let me just say real, real, real quick, you okay. know, um, I come off very militant. And that's only because I give my son all the time in the world to live and be free and happy and joy. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just raised a certain way. <laughs> I was raised by. Uh, you very, don't need to apologize. Nothing for that. Apology, <laughs> it's just that, you know, I got to tell my wife, you know, one thing I was raised. Hey, my parents, both of them always taught me life's not going to be fair. Um, don't respect. I never promised you that. Uh, my mother is much harsher than my father. Um, so a lot of me is in him with that. And if he does see that, I want him to know, hey, yes, act accordingly, son. You have everything, every tool. Go enjoy your life, but act accordingly, man. You know, all of us here, and, and you too, her permits, uh, our children will be leaders and, and generals. Yeah. So that's what it is. Definitely. Yeah. I go mean, do it. What do you want me to do, kid? Go, go do it. And, you know, you know, um, you know, I like and, 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 and I love this. And, you know, um, 
Uh, I, I, I would also tell Kobe, uh, listen to Soleil. <laughs> 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 yeah, Soleil is something else, boy. That old soul of mine. Uh, yeah, listen to her. Yeah. So, 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 so that's that. Yeah, she told me the other day. Uh, she said, uh, "Mommy, you're you're the best mommy I've ever had." I was like, I, I, "I thought I was the only mommy you've ever had. What does that mean?" And she was like, "No, no. Before I came in your belly, before I came here, I had other mommies." I said, "Oh, really?" I was like, well, why am I the best mommy that you've ever had? She was like, because you're, I'm gonna be an astronaut and a scientist, and you're gonna, you're gonna make, you're gonna make that happen, mom. I was just like, oh, wow, alrighty. <laughs> so that's um, so I know now I have my purpose, you know, because she's she has a mission, and so our children know who they want to be. So I guess it's up to us to make that happen, right? <laughs> Yes, yeah. I'm gonna make that introduction happen for you. Okay, too, to thank niece. you, thank you. So very my niece much. is studying; she's literally a rocket scientist right now. So she just got her first position with McDonald Douglas, I believe. Wow. I don't know, some something like that. So, uh, that so uh, I, I will make that introduction happen. These oh. little black girls need 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 that that uh that um. Uh, that assurance. Of, yeah. uh, an assurance that you can be more than just a pretty little girl. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with being smart. It's a great thing. Right. And um, um, yeah. And, and, and you don't need to hide that from anybody. Exactly. Exactly. Well, guys, men, my brothers, and and just oh oh, there's so many wonderful names I can give you all right now, but I'd like to say thank you so much for giving me your time and allowing me to showcase your voices and be on my Boutou Speaks platform because, you know, our philosophy, I am who I am because we all are, and I can't wait to let the world, yes, Byron, yes. Would you mind if I, uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. Would you mind if I gave uh, a couple of shout outs of- Oh, please. Please okay. do. I just want exactly what you're saying with Ubuntu Workforce. You know, definitely thank you and what that that uh, entails or what that holds of us being who we are because uh, I am because we are. Yeah. Um, the people who, some of the people, some of the black women who have made me who I am. My mother, Shirley J. Williams. My wife, Denise Hall, um, now Denise Williams. Dion Embry, um, who's one of my classmates in college. Laura Chambers, who um, you know, one of my colleagues, Sipati Mapatswe, one of my uh, best friends from my time in Lesotho, along with uh, Matadiso Malomo, uh, Rich Metipoka, Trinesha Samuels, who was here in DC, um, and then um, a couple of black fathers, Cedric Gay, uh, Lorenzo Nichols, uh, Zeke Richards. I just want to say those have been some of the people who have made me, who have been instrumental, have been foundational me becoming who I am. That's, wow, you have a powerful network. That is, that, now that's community. That's community. So yeah. yes, definitely. Anybody else want to give out a shout out to anyone? Because this is going to be shared uh, across, across the globe. So any shout outs? Just all my black brothers and sisters, man. You know, let's, 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 Let's keep let's keep moving onward and upward. You know, we 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 
you know, we, we're at a place now where, you know, mm -hmm. we're no longer satisfied with symbolism. You know, yeah. uh, we, we need tangible, uh, you know, economic progress. And, and let's not forget to, to love each other in, in the process. And um, yeah, I love everybody, all you guys, all my brothers, all my fathers, happy Father's Day. Um, all, all my beautiful women, you know, just continue to 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 learn who you are and and have patience and be compassionate. And oh, I love it. it! Yes, yes. Happy Father's Day to all of you. Any more shout outs? I'll give a quick shout out, and I, I otherwise I'm gonna have uh, you know I want to sure I'm gonna start to give my be with my child. Taking a right. <laughs> but uh just want to shout out my wife, my partner, Ronnie yeah. Barkey's uh funk. Uh so Ronnie is a South Asian strong brown woman who is doing an amazing job supporting her black husband and her black child, raising her black child. He's and then just uh the, my black woman tours, uh Eltana McCree, uh Pat Romney, Taboho Moja, uh my peers and woman tours, uh, uh Aliyah Matas. Um so those are folks who are just significant roles in my life. And uh, also uh, Wendy Anderson. Just thank you for who you are and who you've been in my life. Thank you. And Jamal, now you know you have to say something. <laughs> uh, I would like to shout out uh, during this present time, Keisha Lance Bottoms, Val Demings, um, Susan Rice. What's the sister from Georgia? Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams. Yeah. You know, these are our generals right now. Oh. Uh, they have stepped up to the plate. So as men, we need to swallow our pride, not only uplift, but protect these black women. And um, the multitude of things that they are doing and that they are taking the, the, the lead on, it's not by accident. Right. So it is, it is our job at this point, they are the generals, uh, follow their lead and protect them because they are under attack. Okay. Uh, and, and, and so that is my shout out. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. This has truly been a pleasure. And uh, once again, happy Father's Day to all of you. Um, I am just so excited and ready to get, um, you know, your voices out there. I want, I'm excited for everyone to hear the phenomenal work that you're doing and, and um, how you are choosing to be the best fathers that you can be to your children and the best citizens you can for this uh, your community. So my shout out is definitely to my husband, Anthony Cross, uh, known as Junior to some parts, as to his family, but definitely Anthony or Babes or so many other names that I have for him. Uh, but uh, he is my uh, rock, he's my supporter, he's my, um, my cheerleader, my best friend, and uh, more importantly, he is the world to our our daughter, Soleil. And so my shout out definitely goes out to him. And, uh, you know, to all the fathers out there uh, who just 
are doing their best and they're being, they're being, and they are show, dispelling all these myths that are out there about black fathers and um, are just a joy to see. So thank you to all of you. Thank you to all these fathers. And um, this has been a joy. Thank you very much. Once again, this is Hermes Mitsota with Mbutu Speaks. And, um, you know, I look forward to another opportunity like this. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you. And have a wonderful, wonderful Father's Day. Take care. Bye-bye. I am who I am because we all are. Mbutu! This has been awesome. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. And oh Vince, thank you for reaching out to us and putting yeah, all this. Thank you, Hermes. Yeah, thank oh, you. No, thank it's you. been thank my you. pleasure. It's been my pleasure. You guys are definitely inspiring me and motivate me. So know that I'm following all your Facebook and all your LinkedIn <laughs> and all of that stuff. <laughs> okay. Good. All right, Love then. You. Have a wonderful one. Happy Father's Day again to me. All right, you too. You. you too, brother. All right, take care. And you know what? I'm going to link all of you together so you guys stay stay in touch. Okay. Please do. All right, then. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Right now, y'all. Bye-bye. Hello.